Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiative podcast. I'm Matt Burgess. I'm joined by our Executive Director, Oliver Hartrich. Hi, Oliver. Hi. And our Chief Economist, Eric Crampton. Good afternoon. We are... Well, 18 months into a lockdown of our border, we are seeing businesses complaining about access to skilled workers, and now we're seeing migrants leaving for lack of um, a willingness of Immigration New Zealand to do the paperwork, issue residency. Uh, we're in the middle of a skills shortage, uh, and we know this because wages are rising and we're seeing businesses um, virtually begging the government for access to overseas workers. Eric, what uh, on earth is going on? This goes back a long way. Let's start from where we are and then go back to how we got here. So right now we've, we're in this perverse situation where the government is simultaneously trying to attract skilled migrants to fill desperate skill shortages, particularly in medicine, but more broadly, and trying to get those workers through very constrained MIQ systems that simply don't have the capacity to deal with it. And at the same time as that is happening, Skilled workers who are here and who have been with us through lockdown are leaving the country because Immigration New Zealand stopped processing residence visas and because the government decided a few years ago to make life hard for people who are not residents. If you're not a resident, you're not allowed to buy a house. There's other aspects of life that you just can't partake in. And if as a non-resident you leave, you simply can't get back in. There's no access to the MIQ system whatsoever. So... These guys are fed up and they're leaving. We've seen it most recently with a doctor in Otaki who said that he, despite the thousands of patients that he deals with, he's heading back to England. We've seen it, well, in a lot of the skilled math teachers that have come through, there have been complaints from there as well. So at the same time as the government is sort of forcing these skilled migrants out through a very poor process at Immigration New Zealand, they're trying to fund the entry and attract other skilled migrants to come in. And it's just nonsense. How do you attract someone to move to the far end of the world if you're simultaneously demonstrating that you're treating very poorly those skilled migrants who are here. It's not a very attractive proposition. And I understand that um, non-residents in New Zealand are only finding out whether they're getting their visa renewed one or two weeks before the deadline, and which of course leaves them in limbo. They're unable to secure employment. They have no idea whether they're two weeks away from effectively having to leave the country or not. How did we end up in this position? Well, Minister Fafoy last month extended the work visas of people who were already here, finally, for a longer duration. Previously, you were in the spot where you've been here on a skilled migrant visa, and those are limited duration. You have to go through an approval process to be able to get them extended. In a sane state of the world, after lockdown hit, you would have just extended all of those visas by a couple of years. Now, I can understand that the government would have been nervous about this because most economists were predicting catastrophic unemployment results, and they simply did not want the optics of approving work rights for people who they viewed as being uh, competitors for New Zealand workers. But it didn't take that long for it to become pretty obvious that that was not the world we were in. Instead, we were going to be in a world of skill shortages and worker shortages rather than mass unemployment. That seemed pretty obvious by even September of last year. And of course, the government always has the right to deport somebody after granting residency. That, that's always been there. But the, pro the problem that we then wound up in over the past year was that migrants who were here on work visas would not know until a couple of weeks before their visa was up for, renew for renewal whether they would have their visa renewed because Immigration New Zealand was incredibly backlogged. And we can get into some of the reasons for that, but... But it's, the, not a, it's not a policy issue, it's not with cabinet, the, ultimately it's a process issue with officials. Is that um, right? I think that those are inextricably linked. So yeah. if we, 
We'll step a little bit further back and then move forward again. It's we, a question of political will, right? Absolutely. So if we look yeah. a little bit further back when we had the Labour Green New Zealand First Coalition, it felt like Minister Elise Galloway wanted much tighter immigration restrictions, wasn't quite able to get there in policy because the Greens didn't like the some of the racism that came in that. And so instead, there was just a go slow that was told to Immigration New Zealand, just process less stuff. So backlogs started accumulating before COVID. Once COVID hit, Immigration New Zealand was not ready for work from home. There are a lot of sensitive files they need to deal with. You need to have systems in place so that you can securely access people's confidential records. And stuff that Immigration New Zealand deals with is going to be pretty confidential, right? When I submitted ours, we had to have some proof of our relationship, Susan and I. We had to have all of our health records that went in, along with vaccination checks, police background checks. There's a lot of sensitive material that they're dealing with. So you have to be able to have secure access to that and Immigration New Zealand systems were simply not up for that. Small shops like ours, we just send everybody home, access uh, all of our online network shared spaces. It all could continue as normal. Immigration New Zealand, well, it just meant that no work got done for six weeks. Oliver, the government has the ability to grant residency to all migrants who have been here since the lockdown. You've recently been through a citizenship process. Uh, you obtained your citizenship. What are the problems that could arise from... Uh, granting residency on mass. Well, actually, my personal case was relatively straightforward because I came in an Australian permanent residence visa, so I basically was in, and I was on the track, and there was not much to decide anymore. So mm. in my case, that wasn't an issue. The issue is really for people like this Otaki Medical Center doctor we mentioned earlier, that's Dr. Harden, Harding Richards. And um, just want, wanted to give you a bit of a background on that case because I found it so extraordinary. So this doctor has 1,354 patients registered to him. And GPs are hard to find. Mm. The government knows how hard to find they are. And actually, it costs a lot to train medical doctors. That's among the most costly degree you can finance in a university. The government knows that we've got skill shortages, especially in our health system, and especially in the time of a pandemic. And yet we have more than 1,000 doctors and nurses actually waiting for visas. And he was one of them. And after too much time spent on that, waiting for the decision. He had enough and went home and went back to England. And that is just ridiculous. And it's not just doctors and nurses. It's more than 10,000 people, according to a recent report on in NewsHub, waiting for that. And they've been in this position for one and a half years now, basically since the start of the pandemic. Really, if you spend the last 18 months in New Zealand, you've gone through the lockdowns, you've gone through the whole thing with us at some stage. I mean, you qualify for a residence visa, typically after, I think it was two years, three years in the country, these people would have normally got there. Mm. And these are people we need. And that we don't have to train anymore, and they're integrated, they're part of the communities. It is absolutely ridiculous. And then we allow these people to leave, go back home, and then try to recruit internationally again to fill the vacancies. And it's absolutely absurd. The other case that has made the news recently is Cameron Conradi, South African. Um, so he talked about his case quite openly. He appeared in the media as well, and he tweets a lot on that too, which is great. So this case just demonstrates the absurdity of the whole thing. He and his wife, both teachers, math teachers, really hard to find. And we all know what a problem we have in numeracy in New Zealand and how our maths results have gone down. So we need people like the Conradis. Well, they got a work-to-residence visa from South Africa. They sold everything they had in South Africa, sold their home, managed to get, I think, his parents into an old age care home in, in South Africa. So they basically burned all their bridges. And he came over and took a job in the hut at a school. 
while his wife was still dealing with the last few formalities, she thought in South Africa when the border suddenly shut. Now she's out and he can't bring her in. And Cameron Conradi is documenting actually how many empty rooms there are in MIQ, hundreds of them really, and the government still doesn't find a space for his wife and their son. So the Conradis have been separated now for, I think it is 16 months or something like that, and there's absolutely no legal way to get them in. Both math teachers, both on the skill shortages list, and he's thinking about returning now to South Africa to be back with his wife and child. Mm. Yeah, and But if that happens, of course, we'll have to find another math teacher and we don't have them. And the real perverse part in here is that if he were still in South Africa and coming in now, he'd be able to bring his family with him. Because if you're coming in as a skilled migrant and getting an exemption into MIQ, that visa lets you bring your family with you. If you are already here as a skilled migrant who got an exemption in or who um, was here prior to lockdown, there's no way of getting your family in. That. How does that rule come about? What what is why do you have a rule that insists if you come with your family, the family gets different treatment? Is there a principle there, or is it just completely? I don't it's think bureaucratic. That's what it is. It's just an accident. Of it's bureaucratic and it's really rules. absurd. And if you follow the stuff, the individual stories on Twitter, you come across things where the government previously paid part of the relocation costs for people on skill shortages list because we really need them here. Then we make it impossible for them to bring in their families and at some stage they get so frustrated they go back home. And then we'll probably pay another migrant a relocation aid just to get them in and fill the vacancy. This just seems so wildly opposed to the public interest in just straight human terms. You know, governments, democratic governments don't almost attack citizens in this way and or at least be so callous towards people who have gone to the tremendous trouble and um, effort, time and effort to come to this country, work here, use their skills here, and yet here you have a government um, just really behaving badly. And do we, we can only speculate why that is. Right, let's go through the reasons. What do we think could if be going I, on? Okay. One of the restrictions that they had in place was that you could bring your family in if you earned enough. And you couldn't if you earned less. So one potential rationale for that is imagine that you really believe that migrants are just here to steal Kiwis jobs and maybe go on benefits somehow or suck on the public purse. Well, maybe you think that's more likely for people who are on lower incomes than for people on higher incomes. And maybe you, if you thought that you're trying to target skilled migrants and you think that's wage linked, then maybe you just make life a lot harder for people who are on, on lower earnings. Right, so that's that's an that's, argument that works in a, in a high unemployment situation. We're not in that world. Well, I'm, as it I'm, turns out, we're not in that world. I'm not sure it even holds in that world, but mm. it certainly doesn't hold in the world that we're in. Yep. Okay. What else? Uh, we had a New Zealand First Labour Greens government previously. New Zealand First not particularly welcoming to immigrants. That seemed to have affected Labour's position. Is this a hangover from the previous term of government? I don't think so. I'm not so sure that it was New Zealand First to, that's to blame. I think there is a substantial history actually in labor policy that is not particularly migrant friendly mm. so sometimes when you just follow what's happening with this government without new zealand first you come to the conclusion that they just don't like migrants that much mm -hmm. okay and then we have and maybe there's a reason for that and the reasons that they naively think that if you only block the migrants you're pushing up domestic wages and that's good for them mm. yeah they've got a working uh, working class voter base, as it were, um, and maybe this is the kind of policy that some of their supporters Except it appreciate. is extremely short-sighted. I mean, especially mm, with the um, medical profession. These are sectors of the economy where we desperately need to get younger people into the industry. 
and we've got massive shortages. We know that we've got an aging problem in our workforce, especially in, in medical professions. Mm. To block them out and just think that um, for some odd reason we probably get higher wages out of it is, is just extremely short-sighted. Now, this is starting to get into a lot of the immigration reset that Labour has been talking about, which might yet be coming. But the proximate effect of it now is that nothing is happening at Immigration New Zealand. They're not wanting to process anything because they don't know what the rules are going to be. And they've got the sense that the minister really doesn't want there to be any more immigrants. So they're just not processing stuff. I think that in the short term, the only fair solution is to just grant residence to everyone who has been here with us since lockdown. If they were here with us through lockdown and stuck with us for the year after lockdown, well, you look out at the world, you don't want to send them to places where COVID is still raging when you've not been able to give them a vaccine. That isn't right. We've got skill shortages here. There is no huge unemployment problem to be dealing with. And it isn't like it would worsen things anyways, because they're already here and to some extent working to the extent that they've been able to on the limited visas that they've had. But just think about the hell we've imposed on them, right? Mm. For the past year, okay, if you're here, as you're not a resident, you're on a limited work visa, you've got very restricted access to social welfare benefits, and that makes a lot of sense in normal circumstances, right? But... Also, you have no clue how long your work visa is going to last. And you're, you can't buy a home. You, well, that, <laughs> that's also going to be the case, but I'm guessing that those for whom employment and, becomes really precarious because no employer wants to take a bet on them when your work... If your visa is going to expire in the next month and nobody can tell you whether they're going to be extended or not, nobody's going to give you a job, but right? Most, most oh, not most people, but some of the people waiting for visas had a reasonable expectation that they would get one. And well, if, sure. you're, if you're a GP... You would want to buy your home, except in the time that you're waiting, the house prices well, exactly. have gone up 40%. Just when house prices, yeah, exactly. Well, it must be hard to take. All of these problems compound, right? Yes. So labor started off in banning foreigners from having houses, which included people who were living here on work visas if they weren't resident yet. Once you get into the current spot where they just stop processing residence visas, the costs of all of that compound. They decided in the MIQ system that if you didn't have residence, then you were going to have a lot harder time bringing your family in. Well, it makes sense that there's some rationing of access into MIQ in general, since they've got far fewer spaces than there is demand. But the effect of it, for those who haven't been able to get their, pro their visas processed properly, or for other skilled migrants who surely had expected they'd be able to bring their families in, means that they've been... Like, just think about folks whose babies were born overseas shortly before they left, and they've not seen them for a year. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's the just horrible. One thing I really don't understand about New Zealand coming from Europe. In Europe, it's typically the parties of the left that are much more internationalist and migration friendly. And it's the right parties in Europe that are very skeptical and actually like to keep borders more or less shut. Then I came to New Zealand, actually previously to Australia, and I found it completely the other way around. So it's really weird how there is this anti-migration mindset on parts of the left. What is the best argument against doing what you just suggested, giving uh, residency to uh, everybody who's been here since lockdown? Well, the normal best argument against that sort of thing would be credibility and time consistency issues, that you wouldn't want people to be coming in on a short-term visa that has no right to expect residents that come with it, who then develop expectations of that because we've grant done it in this circumstance. That just doesn't seem plausible. Mm. Like, okay. 
it raises the issue to the extent that you think that we might get another pandemic in a decade's time that closes the border and that people will want to get a short-term visa in and before the border closes. Like, it's just implausible. Mm. The normal argument doesn't apply because this really is a one-off. It's not something yeah. that we ever hope is replicated again. And I wouldn't feel comfortable giving residence to people who just happen to be in the country on a random day, except that day is in the distant past. And these people have been yeah. illegally since. Mm. Yeah, everyone who is here legally with us through lockdown and has been here with us since, I think it's pretty hard to not to see a case for not giving them residence right now. And if I understand the rules, a resident is not a citizen. The government at all times reserves the right to deport somebody who misbehaves, uh, even with that amnesty. Except, sure. of course, you're on the track of becoming a citizen after five years in the country. You've got a right to apply for that. Okay. Yeah. I, I've been a permanent resident here since resident here since 2005. I've not gone through for through the paperwork. And, and actually, there's one other difference between New Zealand and many other countries. Once you've got PR status in New Zealand, you've got it for life. There are many other countries, um, for example, Australia, where you get permanent resident status, but if you then happen to leave the country, that expires if you're mm. not in the country. New Zealand is different. You've got it, and basically, it's life entitlement. That might be an argument some people might want to use. But then again, if you're here for five years, then you can apply for citizenship anyway. Normally, a permanent resident process is going to require that you have police background checks to make sure that you're not get, admitting someone here who has a terrible history abroad. There could be a decent case for having that as part of the PR process for admitting anyone who has been here with us since lockdown. On the other side, if Immigration New Zealand is just that backlogged and the processing constraints are really, really bad, a better approach might be to grant permanent residence with a caveat on it that, well, once Immigration New Zealand isn't a complete disaster anymore, they're going to check your police, police records, and at that point we might have to revoke things. If that is a processing constraint now, then you could imagine some flexibility that way. One aspect I would add to the whole debate is that... Um, It is just not the image that New Zealand portrays to the world. We like to present ourselves as a kindness nation, as a nation that really cares for people, except when it is about people who haven't seen their partners for more than a year, who haven't seen their children for more than a year. That doesn't actually portray kindness to me. I think that sends all the wrong signals. And apart from that, I think we also have international obligations under which we have to apply. We signed up to the UN Declaration on Human Rights. Well... Part of that is actually protection of the family. Mm. We've got families torn apart. The government actually has at least a moral duty, if not a legal duty under international treaty law, to take care of these families. We're not doing that. I think we are not actually fulfilling our international obligations. I was working from home the other day, and last week, there's one day I was working from home, and I had News Talk ZB on. I normally don't listen to talk radio, but they're having a session where people were calling in with their stories of being migrants here and just how hard it's been. And it was a builder from South Africa who's like specialist and engineer type and talking about how he's not being able to bring his family in and he's got young kids and just how hard all of that is. And... He was just making the point that if it ends up wrecking his family and they divorce because of this, the government's not going to bear any of the costs of that. They just, they, yeah. they don't, they don't care. They don't see those costs. All the costs are borne by him and his family. It, it worries me that people who live in New Zealand with us and are on the wrong piece of paper seem to be outside of the realm of moral concern for a lot of Kiwis, that they're somehow seen as less than human or not worthy of being worried about. 
I don't think that Labour would be behaving this abominably if they didn't have at least some indication in the polls that a lot of people didn't care about it. I think that people should care about it, and I hope that Labour changes their mind. And it is not the Kiwi way, because the people we are talking about who are here are parts of their communities, because New Zealanders are welcoming. Once you move Mm. into the neighbourhood, you become friends, you become neighbours. We are not like that. We are better than that. I think it is not the Kiwi community that's letting us down. It's the government and the bureaucracy. Well, let's hope Minister Farfoy does the right thing uh, and acts on what I think is actually a very serious issue. Oliver and Eric, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.